Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hi, everyone. Thank you for taking time to join us for this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. You know, we love talking about disruption and innovation, but we also like when we have guests who talk about transformation and how we can take what already exists and make it so much better. So this is not only a story today about customer experiences, but it is how you can look at things and say, there's got to be a better way. So I'm so excited for our guest. Um, she has founded and is the CEO of the company Witco. And we're going to just get, jump right into it. So Elaine Legassi, welcome to the show. Hi, Edison. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it is so great. Uh, you are talking to us from France today. Is that correct? That's correct. From Paris. Yes. From Paris. Well, tell us about Witco. Tell us what you do and what problems you solve in the world. Um, wow, such a, a big announcement. Um, so yes, I'm the CEO of the company. Uh, the company is called Witco. Uh, but I think what is most interesting is what we're trying to solve. Um, so um, we are in the space of the future of workplace. Um, we provide an app uh, to uh, human resources managers, uh, but also employees um, so that they can use this app uh, in the workplace to um, be able to use it uh, very easily. Uh, by that, I mean, uh, those, so you have this app um, where you can just uh, have a range of functions um, like hot desk or meeting room bookings, like digitalized access, uh, incident reporting, visitor management, etc. So our goal is just to say, um, like tomorrow, we don't know exactly how it will be, but for sure, workplaces will change. Um, and we have to adapt, especially in the world where um, companies are fighting to attract the right talents. And today, talents want something more hybrid than what they could experience before with the mix of uh, work from home and work from the office. So if you see that, you can just understand how complicated it's going to be um, for HR managers to um, organize the workplace and make sure that when employees come, they are very happy to come and they have um, places to collaborate, and they have also one digital tool to enable them to use the workplace and to have access to all the services they need. And also for employees, if they come to the office, um, they also need it to, to be very simple to use, otherwise they would not want to come and would prefer to stay at home. So yes, we don't know um, how the future of workplace will be, but um, we support our clients and try to provide solutions, options, so um, it is easier for them to um, work around this space management complexity 
and also to provide them with real-time data um, so that they better understand how the spaces uh, are used. Well, and for our listeners, if you happen to be near a computer, it is WITCO, W-I-T-C-O dot I-O. And the site is very well laid out. And that's what I, I like about it is I can, I can tell right away what you are doing. And we talk about, you know, whether it's a B2B space or a B2C space, it's about efficiencies and experience. And, and you are correct as, as, as a business leader who recently moved my office location to a new office, um, mm-hmm. all of this is totally lacking. So I really appreciate everything you're talking about. And here's the mission. Here's what I love is you're talking about the Witco app being as essential to every building, just like heating or Wi-Fi. And I completely agree. These, this need for the consumer, whoever that consumer is, to have a constant communication and constant information at their fingertips is huge. So Elaine, this is where I like to go back and ask our guests, because this isn't where you started out in life. So tell us the journey. Yeah. Tell us the journey, how you all of a sudden became, you know, the CEO of a tech company solving this problem. Yeah. Um, so I, I started with the very traditional studies uh, since I studied law. Uh, so I did uh, tax and business law um, and I took the bar and passed it. And then I joined a business school because um, I wanted to know a bit more about finance and entrepreneurship. Um, so I joined um, ESSEC Business School, which is a, a French um, business school. Um, and, uh, and then I um, joined an investment bank called Rothschild where um, I spent three years uh, doing M&A, so mergers and acquisitions. So, so far, quite far from the tech world, um, but still um, I wanted uh, at some point to create my company um, and I didn't really know what to do next, to be very honest with you. Um, but I felt like this um, app that we created was something I would have had to like, to have, sorry. So, for instance, uh, I was uh, at the office and every time uh, I had an issue um, to report an incident, you send an email and then two weeks later, you don't have any clue where it is and when it's going to be fixed. Um, Same if I forget my badge, then I have to go to security desk and then I leave my ID. And then again, it's it's, um, you know, um, an addition of small constraints uh, that I felt like, okay, why can't I have something very simpler? Um, and uh, if you addition those little um, constraints, um, it's, make, uh, it's made me feel like, uh, okay, I'm not focusing on the right things um, and I'm losing my time, basically. <laughs> um, so that's how it started. And then I said, okay, I'm not a tech girl, as you mentioned, <laughs> but um, I think I'm resourceful. So um, I started to search for um, developers uh, to help me build this app. Um, and then along the way, I met investors who understood what I was trying to do um, and, and built this um, amazing team that I have today um, and who is also helping uh, me to, again, provide um, a better experience to employees um, in their workspace. Let's talk about the investors for a second, because it's, you haven't done small fundraising. You've done large fundraising. And recently you raised... Um, on my notes, it says $14 million in Series A funding. Uh, maybe it's more. Maybe it's uh, more that's going to be coming down the line. But if you had to express to somebody that was on your journey what it takes to get to the point of raising that kind of money, what was your tactic of um, finding investors? 
I would say first it's a question of fit, seriously, because when you uh, have investors coming in at your cap, uh, cap table, you need to be sure that it's going to be a long-term partner. Um, so to me, the fit part was very important. But be, even before that, for having investors hearing you out, um, you need to uh, show them that um, you manage to do a few things by yourself. Um, before even having more money to help you um, pour, pour what you just started. So um, when I first met the first investor of this company, um, I showed him um, a website and it was quite beautiful at the time. Um, and he asked me, uh, is it you who did that? I said, no, I had an intern with me. And he said, how long did it take you? How much did it cost you? And then uh, he realized, okay, if she managed to do this with this little amount of time and money, uh, I think she could do something even better with more money. Um, and in the software space, you need money um, to invest before you can find your first, your first clients. So this is how the journey uh, started. And then um, we... Uh, managed to prove that we had customers interested in the solution and that we can go even further. And, um, you know, before COVID, we had clients uh, willing to organize their space differently, uh, to be more flexible, to be, and they were very attentive um, to their employees and the experience they were having. And um, yes, COVID was an accelerator for us, but still we managed to prove traction so that's how uh, we ended up raising $40 million. Yes, you have the right amount <laughs> um, to power our global expansion. Well, thank you for sharing that part of the story. And yeah, let's talk about expansion. So you started off in, in France. And then if I have this correct, your next location was the UK? Um, yes. So we started in France. We opened Spain, um, Germany in January and the UK. Um, and we are also doing a soft launch in the US. And I will personally be there um, beginning of December. So, yes, we're trying uh, several regions um, uh, because we, we feel that the need is the same. And also because we have some clients um, uh, bringing us to different countries because they have uh, offices, they have buildings mm-hmm. in different countries. Well, and that was going to lead into my next question is when you, you can't say the word expansion without talking about, you know, your sales and marketing strategy. So can you give us a little insight into, you know, what those initial business plans were and, and what you envisioned and, and how you're going to market right now? Yeah. Um, so what we do is um, the tech part will remain in France. And then uh, in the countries that we are opening, we um, are opening with a, a pod of five people for in each country. And then uh, so this pod will, make, will be made of a general manager uh, of account executives. So the sales team, marketing, and then um, uh, customer success. And then afterwards, um, we have a sales enabled person in the team um, that will help them also to um um, to deliver on the promise and also to manage the sales, um, reven- the revenue um, expansion growth. Um, so, but to, to be like, to, to, do, to, to make things even simpler, um, you knew when you mentioned uh, Wi-Fi, which was one of my quotes, um, I feel the same. Um, if, I, if I say it differently, um, we are convinced that tomorrow every building will have an app. So if we say that, there is like a huge market to take on. And yes, we are organized like 
many sales, we, you have the BDR, so business development representative at the, at the very beginning of the sales team. And then you have the account executive and then you have to have the account manager. I don't know how far you want me to, to detail no, that's, how we organize. No, that's good. I'm, I'm going to ask you another question. And this is one I love asking company founders, because I think this is important for all business leaders to understand what their sweet spot or their skills and strengths are, because you talked about this lovely story of rolling up your sleeves and, and doing the, the initial work yourself. And now that you've grown, what parts of your business are you like, oh, this I need to hire somebody else to do? <laughs> the dev part for sure. <laughs> uh, I would say all of the areas and not to be modest, I think it is important to hire people better than me. Um, and maybe what I, I feel I'm the best at is the sales part uh, because, you know, I was, I, I, graduated, I graduated as a lawyer. So, you know, convincing someone that um, I have the right product for the solution, that for the, the problem they have, I, I love it. So I would say um, I have uh, hired, I hope, people better than me on all the subjects. Um, but uh, if I had like one uh, topic I really like to still do um, is uh, the sales part. Okay, Elaine, I have to lean in because you, you've talked about being the, the lawyer. What are your best tips for <laughs> business builders when it comes to vetting new suppliers? Wow. Um, to be honest, we make sure um, we have at least part of the service before paying. Uh, this is um, this could be this could seem uh, kind of weird, but at least in Europe, um, sometimes you have to pay in advance. So I never like to pay in advance, for instance. Um, and I try also to um, make some reference calls all the time to make sure that the uh, providers that we are um, are trustworthy. Because what we can't lose is time. The most crucial thing we have is time. Mm-hmm. No, I, that is so on the spot, especially when you're business building. You can't lose time, resources. It's all precious to your, your plan and your momentum. I want to go, Whitco actually has won some awards. And so I have down that you're a finalist um, in the Prop Tech Europe Awards 2020 one, um, and I can't even pronounce this, uh, the something Viva Tech Award. I need to get my, yeah. my French going. Um, and you've been featured on the Wave So Smart Building Startups radar since 2019. Elaine, there's so much talk for, for young entrepreneurs and, and for business builders, even when you're, you've been building your business for a decade or more, there's a lot of focus on awards and people always tout the awards, but what is your perspective on what an award does for somebody? Is it worth your time applying and pursuing? Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it is important to have some because you have so many projects um, on the market that for some people it validates um, that you are a serious player, that other people felt because they were specialists that you have like a, a good product, a good vision. So I would not say that... Um, you need that to um, absolutely um, be successful, but still it's a reassurance thing to have some awards. So you're so well-educated before you even went into this venture, but where do you lean on for mentorship, 
for wisdom and advice about being an entrepreneur? Have you been associated with accelerators? Do you rely on your investors? Tell us about what your go-to resource is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I joined a few networks um, in Europe um, to meet people um, that are better than me to also network because um, this is also a reality that you have to face. Um, at least in our industry, you need network to to to, to prosper. Um, so what I do uh, more concretely, yes, I have a network that I joined. Um, I have a coach. <laughs> this is someone who helps me uh, take a step back um, and analyze the situation differently because this coach is not part of the company. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts um, among yours. yours. Um, so yes, I think it is so interesting to uh, be able to um, uh, listen to so many stories very efficiently. Like you, you, sometimes you don't have time to meet uh, all these people, and sometimes some of the times they may not even have the time for you. So listening to podcasts, and I read also a lot. Um, I, I don't read books. Um, on, at least on not on the subjects uh, more like for my uh, personal life but um, I read articles all the time uh, so that they feed me about uh, innovation what is going on especially in the future of work um, of the of work because it's so evolving so quickly so it is so important for me to um, have like a sense of what is going on um, and also um, I try to meet at least one or two new person every week so, you know, my circle is not always the same. So I meet new people because they have past experiences that I like or because they are focusing on something I don't really know a thing about. And I think it could be interesting to know a bit more. So this is how I try um, to uh, keep up with um, innovation, what is going on and entrepreneurship um, in a more broader way. So I want to ask you one more, one more personal question, and that is, what do you feel has been the toughest part of this this journey? It could be tough or it could be something that you were like, oh, that was a surprise. Didn't know, didn't know that was going to catch me. <laughs> okay. So in, as you probably know, uh, surprises is um, something that you have every day. So I'm surprised every day, but this is also <laughs> the right part of, of the job. Um, I would say... Um, to be fully transparent, I used to um, um, to be in path where you could be very successful on your own. Um, like as long as you work hard, you can be successful. But creating and running company means uh, you need a team to be successful. And um, it's not that I'm not, and I was not a team player. I don't think this is it at all. But I was not in environments where you have different type of talents. Like I used to be in the law firms with, with only lawyers. I used to be in bank uh, with only bankers. And to me, the, the toughest part, especially at the beginning, was to be able to manage people from different backgrounds. And uh, this is where you realize we are all needed, even if we are not doing the same job. I, I, maybe for, for you, it's, it's obvious. But for me, it, it was very different. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is what surprised me. And I think I grew a lot. <laughs> Um, to make sure we progress as one team um, and that everyone feel um, everyone feels listened to and valued, even if they don't have the same background because they bring something to the table at some point. I think that's a very authentic response. I, I think that is probably something that a lot of people struggle with, whether they're building a business or whether they're, you know, working within a company. You know, people... We, we all say it's about 
people and human relationships. And I can certainly look back on my career and go, well, I really ruined that relationship and didn't approach it the way I should have, because I, I didn't understand like what you said is the different personalities and, and the different skills and talents. And, and so I actually think that is a really important thing to have learned early on, especially as you're doing all of this global expansion. Um, because I think the, the question that I often ask people that I speak to, like you, who have a, a multi-country footprint is how do you keep the culture of your organization as you're now hiring people across lots of other borders? I mean, and, and everybody does it, but I, I think that's probably something I would guess weighing on your mind is how do I keep the culture of my company? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's why we have a team of country launchers. So they go from country to uh, countries to make sure the, the culture is um, is quite similar to the one we have uh, at the HQ. So and it's, it, I think it's also my role that when I meet the teams or, like that are not with us at the HQ, that um, we we communicate very uh, easily and we make sure that they are part of one team, even if we're not all at the same place. Uh, but also again, having country launchers and um, that they help me um, make sure the culture um, will try to be at least um, the same, um, even, even if we don't have the same culture. And sometimes it can be confusing because we don't react the same way. I think Americans are very, you know, <laughs> they express themselves and maybe British people, they are more reserved, but it doesn't mean that, um, you know, they, they don't have to be listened to. So yes, very interesting. Well, I'm sure your country launchers in America are hearing a lot of words like awesome. And <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> everything's yeah, everything's awesome here. Um, no, absolutely. Okay. What do you do for, for enjoyment, hobbies? What uh, makes you happy outside of working on your, your business? Um, I do yoga when I don't break my uh, feet, which I did last year. Now, I, I tend to do quite some sports, uh, some exercise. Uh, it helps me, um, you know, um, uh, free my mind and uh, recenter um, on what is most important. So, yeah, I would say exercise. Fantastic. So, Whitco, where, I like to ask my guests if we come back and talk to you, to you again in two to three years, what's the vision? What's going to be the story then? Um, it will be, how am I, what am I, how was I doing before that? Um, because it is very simple to use and, um, and I hope that we, the users, um, of this app, we think, okay, um, this is so useful that, um, I would like to have it like more and more and to have even more modules, even more features. And uh, they would wonder what they were doing before and how they were doing it. So again, as I mentioned uh, to me, we should have this kind of app in every building. So I hope in two or three years, um, we maybe won't be in every buildings, but at least uh, we will be uh, well deployed in the countries I mentioned, um, which is um, Spain, Germany, the UK, and a bit of the US. Well, thank you so much for being a guest with us today. Tell our listeners how they can reach out to you or learn more about the company? Um, I think the fastest way is to um, join me on LinkedIn, to connect with me on LinkedIn because I answer uh, every time and it's, it is quite easy to find me. Um, I, I'm sure you will mention maybe- uh, We are going name. to put the contact details okay. in the show notes. Okay. Well, even by emails, but yeah. But LinkedIn is is wonderful. So our listeners can can hear that. Well, 
for our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, if there was something that Elaine said, or if you know any businesses that maybe are in need of Whitco services, um, reach out to her, share a copy of this podcast with them, pass it along. And of course, we always like and appreciate reviews on Podchaser and other platforms. And also, if you loved this story, you might want to think about picking up my book, Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy, which also has wonderful case studies of other great company founders. So again, Elaine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>